you know, people say, do you have any regrets? And you say, no, oh, I've got no regrets because I do have a regret. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. Um, would I have done it differently? Absolutely. <laughs> There's a certain something that defines our favourite brands. Like we can count on Maccas to serve up a Sunday morning McMuffin. We trust Telstra to keep us connected to the people we love. And we know Netflix won't judge us when we confirm, yes, we're still there. So how do brands attain that je ne sais quoi? What happens when they change things up and lose it? From Facebook, this is Face to Face, unearthing ideas that thrive in a connected world. I'm Jules Lund. Justin Dry is the founder of Vino Mofo, an online wine club that punches way above its weight. He's become a bit of an expert at marketing on a shoestring. When the company started in 2011, digital platforms allowed them to find customers across Australia. So basically what we'd done as a startup, we had always gone all in on digital platforms, producing right content, right platform, right time, relevancy, and it had worked tremendously well. We went super early into those platforms and that helped us get traction at a very low cost and it built the business. That approach is at the heart of the VinoMofo brand. It's who they are. Simple, straightforward, and easy for their audience to understand. But they were ambitious and wanted to experiment. In 2016, we raised a bunch of money. And it was the first time that we decided to raise any money, really. And that was in order to do a couple of things. Double down in Australia and take our business global. We'd been profitable from day one, so we never needed the money. But this was like, all right, let's elevate, let's get big. And so we raised 25 million from a local VC, took some of that off the table, put some of it into the business. And we decided to go with a big campaign. And there was a lot of conversation that happened within the business, which path to go. We were reaching a point through our current digital channels where the content that we were producing, we'd max them out. There was a lot of good conversation that happened within our business as to where that should be spent. Some people believe that we should have gone further down into digital and content where we produce more and more, more specific for audiences and target them more deeply within the platforms. And there was another kind of side of that argument was we need to do what big businesses do. So after a bit of debate, they take the money and decide to go big really big. They come up with this one gigantic idea. It'll take them to foreign lands, up mountains, through jungles, across rivers, big budget, Lord of the Rings stuff. You know, we'd have outdoor and we'd put it on TV and despite knowing that the eyeballs on TV ads was going very quickly south and people were spending more time on their mobiles and digital, we somehow came to the conclusion that that was the right place to spend all this money. Our big ad uh, was big. <laughs> we, we basically, it, was, it, was a, it was based around a decision, like to decide, to decide to be part of this. It came from a dream. It wasn't my dream, to be honest, but um, it came from a dream. It was inspired by a dream. But here's the thing about dreams. At some point, you wake up. It was one of those things where we got caught up in the process. We shopped it around to a few of the different agencies, the bigger agencies, the big end of town, and kind of workshopped it, decided on what it would look like, 
ended up shooting in New Zealand. So we all traveled down to New Zealand, you know, flew a whole bunch of people down there, went into the country, filmed this thing that was felt like you were on a film set. You know, I, I'm looking around going, wow, this it's got to cost a lot, you know. <laughs> and it, it was it was just one of those moments where you're like, oh, I, where you, you make decisions that you don't, you're not going with, you know, your head, you're not listening to your gut, you know. This is, you, you just get carried away and throughout the process you know there's so many things going wrong within this, but you're, you're in, you know, so you're trying to get to the end. So here we are in the middle of the jungle in New Zealand, on the South Island, beautiful scenery. To shoot a film or an ad, you know, you'd, I was walking past these places going, this looks really familiar, you know, it was like from Lord of the Rings or something like that and that kind of felt like we were filming Lord of the Rings with all the cameramen and crew and buses and it felt ridiculous. But the problem we had was the creative was really such a huge story. So it starts off with this montage of really epic moments, visual footage, and this uh, inspiring voiceover that's really, it's like a call to arms, saying things like, what is it in life that defines us? We enter this world through no choice of our own, to then be surrounded by decisions. Do you step up or walk away? Do you play it safe or leap in faith? This is overlaying images of people jumping off cliffs, of a man standing in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square. And then all of a sudden, you realise that it's being played on a laptop, being watched by, you know, a middle-aged white bloke in his inner-city apartment, and you can see that he's really moved by this. He kicks his chair back, flips his glass coffee table, and just starts running out of the city into the wilderness. His beard starts getting longer. He's screaming off the cliff edges, liberated that he's escaped the rat race. He cooks this bunny on this fire. As he takes a bite into its leg, he goes, you know what would taste great with this rabbit? Nice bottle of red. (laughs) And from being super stripped back and kind of back to nature and real and manly and human, he's running back to his little apartment and his girlfriend who hadn't seen him for a long time and she's like, where the hell have you been type thing and he's he's like muddy and dirty and he's like hasn't washed and he's carrying like a rabbit leg that he's cooked up over an open fire in the bush and he's like, I've missed wine basically is the... (laughs) is the punchline and and it was just like you know in hindsight I just look and go if we just you know core core message would have been kind of important in this you know like anything related to Vino Mofo throughout the journey would have been nice you see a brand uh, you see the brand and you're like oh that's our website that was at the end it was just it was a super indulgent experience to be honest and one of those things that has taught us a lot and one of those things that, you know, I'll be forever embarrassed about, but it is what it is and we, we've learnt from it and we've got better because of it. Yeah. This massive expensive ad slash film was pretty scary. The dream had become a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like this was 20 years ago, Jules. <laughs> and for a company that was yeah. always digitally focused Always first into all the platforms, always made the most of audio, video and tech. Here we are, going back to the good old days of the big TV ad. I don't even want to ask what the budget was. I I, I think I've, like, blacked it out. It's, like, gone from my mind, but it was many millions. Wow, many millions. 
And to be honest, it did drive some efficiencies in the digital channels. Did those efficiencies pay back the overall ad spend? Absolutely not. I'm embarrassed to say that we actually did this, but, you know, live and learn. This is a lesson. Would we have made more use and better use of our money going to the digital platforms and and going all in on content, which we had always done? Absolutely. Vino Mofo learnt the hard way. Changing the way you connect with consumers doesn't necessarily lead to great results. For ANZ, their Australian Open tennis sponsorship is one of their biggest campaigns of the year. They need to make sure they ace it every time. So for the last couple of years, ANZ made a you know big decision to switch up the star of their tennis sponsorship campaign from Novak Djokovic to Dylan Alcott. That's Paul Arena, Group Planning Director at TBWA Melbourne. And obviously, you know, there's a big sacrifice in reach that kind of came with that, the amount of people that Novak has simply through people that follow him on social and the people that know who he is. But the massive upside is the distinction and the cut through that you get from putting someone like Dylan at the front of your campaign. Dylan Alcott is a local legend. He's won the Australian Open men's quad wheelchair singles for five years running. He's an Olympic gold medalist. He's launched a music festival for people with disability. He's a TV and radio host. And he's the friendly, altruistic, wisecracking face of ANZ. The last couple of years, he's been the hero of the ANZ tennis sponsorship. And then the last year, we decided to go sort of one step further and create his own Nike shoe by partnering ANZ Bank and Nike to create the special Dylan Alcott trainer. Now, ANZ aren't exactly known for making sneakers, but Dylan Alcott is a self-confessed sneakerhead, and the partnership with Nike makes sense. You know, Nike's going to get a lot of the plaudits for that, but they're getting people excited, they're creating awareness for a particular topic, and uh, to us, we look at anything that we can get some more celebrity, some more eyes on Dylan when he's the face of our campaign and in every ad break talking about ANZ, it's only going to benefit us as a brand. I mean, selfishly, a lot of the creative agency have always had the dream of designing their own Nike sneaker. I think, you know, a lot of people probably do, not expecting that it would ever happen. I think when we first went down to Nike and presented the idea of, you know, partnering with a, a bank in Australia, we sort of went there expecting that we were going to get a no and that, you know, maybe if we got some discount sneakers and a trip to the Nike staff store, it would all be (laughs) worth it. But, you know, they were hugely positively responsive and, yeah, it ended up happening, which I still find a little bit hard to believe. So Nike and ANZ have worked together to create these sneakers and they're going to present them to Dylan. We set up a bit of a press conference type thing with Dylan and had the ANZ CEO and the head of Nike Australia surprise him with the sneakers. The whole thing is shot on basically a smartphone, so it's nice and raw, and it makes it incredibly authentic. And there is the head of Nike who goes over... Right, Ashley Reid, the general manager of Nike, oh, up no here to enjoy, to enjoy me. <laughs> and hands this beautiful um, box with Dylan's own logo on it. Oh, my God. Oh my God, it's got my own logo. It's got your own Are logo. You kidding? While we were designing and developing them with Nike, we kept Dylan in the dark, knowing that getting his reaction to receiving them would be kind of the ultimate piece of video that we wanted to let everyone find out about this. And Dylan, who usually talks a lot, is just speechless. About to cry. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Thank you so much. 
That's so cool. Nike let us design the box as well with in ANZ blue with ANZ X Nike on it. It's just amazing, you know, how far they were willing to go to, you know, accommodate ANZ, but also, you know, do what they wanted to do for Dylan, who they also sponsor. And when you think about it, it's this really strong, authentic message from ANZ and Nike, the two brands that support him. He was over the moon, absolutely chuffed about it. And he wore the trainers throughout the Oz Open, not just when he was playing, when he was commentating as well, referred to them quite a bit. We actually gave him two pairs, the only two pairs in existence, and one of them he auctioned off for his charity. Through its sponsorship of Dylan Alcott, ANZ gets behind not only the individual, but everything he represents. It shows that ANZ are willing to commit to the cause. You know, it's not just Dylan for like, you know, to be in the commercial. They really support him and want to get behind him. I think people now are starting to sniff out inauthentic brand purpose marketing and this allows people to see that ANZ are really committed to it. Not once did they mention that I was in a wheelchair or care that I was in a wheelchair. They were just proud supporters of myself and, and the Australian Open and Australian tennis for everybody. I think that's a powerful message. So how do you take this beautiful little video to the world? Well, it's not a multi-million dollar ad shot in New Zealand. It's not a billboard the size of a building, but it is worth talking about. And so we looked at what from the video, what from the content would become an Instagram story, what worked for newsfeed, how we would cut things up to create an instant experience canvas of, you know, the design of the sneaker for more sneakerhead audience versus more just emotional content for, you know, general tennis fans or just the general public. Two of the biggest brands in the world to put in trust an athlete with a disability at the front of your brands. That is game-changing stuff for not only me, but for so many young people with disabilities. Thank you, guys. It means everything. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Dylan's authentic connection paid off in spades for ANZ, something Vino Mofo had to learn the hard way with that big ad. But they'd since found their feet, linking with talent of a different kind, entrepreneur, wine buff and global influencer Gary Vaynerchuk. So Gary and I have been mates for more than a decade and we'd wanted to do something together for a long time. And there was a couple of things we'd talked about um, over the journey, but recently he's released a a wine brand called Empathy Wines and being in the wine industry, uh, saw an opportunity to actually do something together that would help both parties and so reached out to explore what we could do together with that brand and uh, it kind of started from there. I was like, this is an opportunity to actually work together. This is a clear path for us. And this is what Fino Mofo is really about, not getting lost in the wilderness to find meaning, but really good wine. And there's no denying when it comes to connecting with people online, Gary V, as he's affectionately known, is the master. He started as a youngster working at Wine Library, which is his dad's wine store in New Jersey. He didn't own any part of that business, but he helped build it for his old man. Decided that he would launch a media company, which was Vayner Media, and worked his butt off for the next eight or nine years building that. And the last couple of years, he's just exploded. You know, he's got 5.5 million followers on Insta. His, his videos are watched by millions and millions of people every time he puts one out. His reach and power and network are insane. So any opportunity to work with him, we're going to take up. Hey guys, I'm Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, one of the founders of Empathy Wines, uh, and I'm outrageously humbled 
Globally, it's hard because you need licenses in each of those markets. Quite often you need the stock locally as well. You need to build logistics networks. You need to have an audience and a way to deliver that product. And so for him, he was like, well, I have a whole bunch of people globally that want access to my sneakers, my wines, my other products. How am I going to distribute that? And we are operating in Australia, New Zealand and Singapore. And he's got a lot of fans in each of those markets. So he thought it would be a great partner for that too. When I launched winelibrary.com in 1996, uh, one of my claims to fame in America was in the 1998 to 2001 range, we were the largest seller of premium Australian wine in America. So how do you take this partnership wider? Not just for Vino Mofo and Gary V, but for the audience that loves what they're on about. So it's just getting on camera, trying the wine, doing live video, live stream, as many platforms all at once. You had like 10 different phones looking at you, three cameras, lots of different sound stuff. It felt like you were speaking to the bloody world with what was going on. And yet it was just his distribution channels, which are massive, but it felt so much bigger than that. Knowing that they're wine guys and they would produce great booze, I bought it without tasting it. So then I, I flew over to the States, having never tried this wine, get on about, there's about 15 cameras and sound things around me, and Gary's like, all right, let's taste the wine. I'm like, oh, God, I hope I like this wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, it was delicious, thankfully. But the opportunity to enter a market and a country I love so much with the best player in the market is a big deal for me. Thank you, it's an absolute pleasure. Excuse me. We shot short form, long form audio. Since we've been back in Australia, we're doing the same thing for our own audience. We're filming tastings, we're doing podcasts, we're doing lots of stuff around that, just as much as we can to as many people as we can. And what's the goal? Uh, To sell the wine out. (laughs) (laughs) And then hold a big party when he comes out later in the year, which we'll be doing. Well, remind me to ask for an invite to that. Now, none of this would be successful if it didn't align with the brand. Gary Vee is a great fit because he's an incredible content creator who's attracted a huge online following. Justin and his team can bring that relationship to an audience that's hungry for it. Where you start today, I think, is just being, and I hate the word authentic, but just being real to yourself and who you are and just getting on the platforms early as you can and getting to understand them, know them, and what works and what doesn't. I think it's just practice. You know what I mean? I think... It's all relative. Like, Gary's huge. Like, you know, Vino Mofo's audience numbers are 10% of what he has globally. So, But we still produce great content for the right audience on the right platforms, right time, and we practice as much as we can. It's, it's, it's about getting good at these things and understanding them. Same with how we built Vino Mofo. Vino Mofo was built mostly through PR and Facebook. We went in super early in Facebook. We were all in. We used the platform better than most, and I think that's what built, you know, a big part of our business. It's like a Tamagotchi. You know, like you got to keep the thing moving. It's about momentum yeah. and it's about iterating and it's constantly changing. That can be intimidating. It can be intimidating and it takes a lot of energy to focus on those things, absolutely. But it's where the opportunity is and, you know, it's getting – more complicated than it's ever been. And yes, you have to produce more content to take the opportunity that lies there. But if you do and you invest in it, and it doesn't have to be deep and complicated content, it just needs to be audience-specific. Learning from it is such a key thing as well. The the faster you get in, you start throwing stuff up, you see what it does, you see what works. The people who create great content are just as obsessed with, you know, 
great content as they are with measuring and seeing how things are working. The beautiful thing about these platforms now, as you said, produce a bucket load of content, simple, easy, very real, if you need to be, with budgets and et cetera, and test and throw them out with a certain kind of number behind them and go all in on the ones that work for those audiences. It's, you know, we produce so much content now and probably 80% of it's never used. That's an incredible stat. I think a lot of marketers worry about fragmenting their brand, which I think, you know, is a valid concern because you do want to have that unified message across everything, but you can tailor it or you can bring it to life in different ways depending on who you're talking to. Knowing who you're talking to and knowing who you are, that's the key. And I think it gives brands the opportunity to be useful to people. I mean, that's the the ultimate goal. It makes me feel good about working in advertising when, you know, I can actually create content or messages that might help someone solve a problem and get past a barrier. I couldn't do that if I couldn't target to a relevant moment. It would just be too wasteful. What was the impact of that ad? Look, it was life-changing, um, not only for myself to get some more added exposure, uh, but I think the, the biggest influence was when I was growing up as a kid, I'd never seen anybody on TV like me. I used to ask my parents, why is there nobody like me? And for once, I saw someone like me on TV every ad break, and it so happened to be me. Big thanks to Justin Dry, co-founder of Vino Mofo, and Paul Arena, Group Planning Director at TBWA Melbourne. Well, that is it for this series. Now, if you've missed any of the episodes so far, I can highly recommend you go back and catch up. While you're at it, press the subscribe button to stay up to date. It's free. I'm Jules and until next time, this is Face to Face from Facebook. Facebook.